Start jump sequence terminates, Captain. Get the gravitational dampers online and open the blast shield. Aye, sir. Bring us in closer. Aye, aye, sir. Moving us in on sublight drive. Extreme magnification. Aye, sir. The center of the galaxy. And there's our black hole. The experience of a lifetime, Captain. Let me put this on audio. You should be able to hear the magnetic resonance from This is it, ladies and gentlemen. The edge of time and space where the impossible can happen. Welcome to the event horizon. Good morning, or afternoon, or evening, whatever is relevant for the part of the world you are in. Indeed, welcome to the event horizon where the impossible happens. Join us each week at this time as we delve into the worlds of science fiction, fantasy, and science fact in all their forms. I'm your host, Gene Turnbow. I'm your other host, Susan Fox. And our guest today is Eric M. Aldrich. The awesome, the one and only, the the man behind the mask of, of Strategicon, and most specifically at the moment, Gateway 2021, coming up this September at the uh, Los Angeles International Airport, uh, Hilton. Welcome to the show, Eric. Well, thank you. I'm glad to be here. So tell us about uh, tell us about the convention. How did it? How did you get started with it? And uh, and what's what's going to be there? You know what they they also run OrcCon, which I remember from when it was the Orange County Gaming Con. I mm-hmm. want to say the late 70s I went to those yeah. at, at uh, Cal State Fullerton, and they were great. Uh, yes, that's, a, that's absolutely correct. It started in 77 at Cal State Fullerton. Uh, it stayed in Orange County until about 82, uh, 1982. Uh, there's now three conventions, Orcon being the first, uh, started in 77. Gateway, which is coming up, started in 81. And I've uh, been running ever since. Then GameX started in 1984, and that's our Memorial Day con. Uh, and that's all we've got. Uh, <laughs> that's enough, con, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Strategicon has run Origins in the past when it was a roving show, but th- those days are long gone, obviously. Mm-hmm. So I've been involved since 1981. Uh, I started going, obviously, first as an attendee. Although I started working for the con on and off in about 82, um, just with little stuff at first, uh, and wor- you know, worked my way up the ladder for a long time. Um, and then in 2006, uh, I was offered a shot you know, at buying and taking over the show, and so we did. Group, put a group of us together who had been doing conventions 30-plus years, uh, even then, and uh, bought the show. So wow. you know how. <laughs> this yeah, they, they made me uh, convention manager, which, uh, or as we like to call the position, con man. That's an actual, and it's an actual tradition. It isn't one we made up. It was started by one of my predecessors at Strategicon. He started calling himself con man in the mid 80s, and the title stuck ever since. I am so running the Alan Tudyk promo. Before and after this show, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you, he was in a little show called Con Man, and it was about conventions. 
Uh-huh. <laughs> it was something something he was doing before uh, between projects before he got that gig doing that uh the uh the, the robot the droid in, in uh, Star Wars yeah. uh, Rogue One. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyway, um, so you have three different conventions. What is the difference between them, or is there one? Well, there are <laughs> attendance for one, hmm. um, but in all seriousness, there are they're not a huge amount of difference. We take advantage of the fact that we run three shows, and we kind of string them together, because they're all out of the LAX Hilton. Um, but it allows us to run year-long events with multiple rounds, allows, allows us to run events between shows, uh, a good example of that, if nothing else, if you're into fantasy football, we have a draft at Gateway. We give the trophies out at Orcon. It's it's really nice. Um, but we have uh, things like the Power Grid World Tour, where we uh, play it out over a year. And at the end of the year, you know, the winner is crowned and they probably toured every board and power grid. Uh, in the past, we've provided uh, preliminary rounds for all sorts of board games like uh, Settlers of Catan, Dominion of all things. Uh, we've ha- hosted RPGA, which is now Adventurers League uh, rounds, back in, for back in the day when they were doing some competitive stuff. It just we we have it's kind of a nice position to be in. With that uh, much, gives us some opportunities a lot of other shows just don't have. With that much history uh, behind you in all of those conventions, you must have been the the proving ground for a lot of tabletop games. Yes, we get a healthy. Uh, playtesting group out there almost every show um, and it, it varies of what they're for um, one of the more amusing stories is is uh, Peter Atkinson coming out there and testing out Magic the Gathering Ooh. wow yeah, oh, he, oh uh, that nobody ever heard of that one again huh no no <laughs> one's ever heard of that game um, and then he came out there we got a set out there at Gateway uh, the first year was released this is 1993 and that's when people realized how insane the game was, uh, because that that's where the fabled full set went up for auction. You know, at a con auction, went for far more than anyone thought possible. Wow. Uh, at the time, was six hundred dollars, best investment he ever made, because it was you know original alpha set that was in pristine condition. Those are now selling north of $250,000 from what I've heard. Oh, my smokes. So basically he bought a house. (laughs) That's it. We're in the wrong business. The history's there, definitely. All sorts of odd bits. um, All sorts of gamer anecdotes over the years. So this must be, uh, you must have this down to a science at this point, running these conditions. You'd like to think so, but no. Um, And actually, that's a good thing. One thing we found, and this is I, this was something I swore I would change when we took over, was that it all of a sudden became the con were the cons were becoming paint by numbers by some of the prior ownership groups, and you could tell. And so we approach every show as we as best we can as fresh. Yeah, there's a lot of procedure that's the same, but we treat every show separately. We've had to. I also get stale very quickly. Well, nothing stale this year. So you're going live next month. We're Tell excited about, about this. Everyone's excited, but we're all kind of trepidatious. Um, I hear you. Yeah. <laughs> it's tough. I, you know, I don't really know what to tell you. Well, as, you, as you can imagine, we determined right around before the May show we were going to try to go live 
for September, and then the state announced it was going to open up June 15th. So we said, okay, let's just go for it. But as you well know, things have gotten a little stricter and stranger since then, and so... Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're ahead of the trend, though. Um, you you already had on your books that every everyone who was eligible had to be vaccinated, and mm-hmm. uh, now all the other conventions are just lining up behind that. Um, yeah, the, we the, um, we the, the good thing about a lot of guys who own who are into tech running the show and this is that we are all pro science, mm-hmm. very much so. And a lot of these tech guys are in the medical tech field. Mm. And we just said, we're not going to BS around. Uh, we're just going to get this done. And we're not going to accept. We, we don't want people coming out there and killing people, essentially. And I mean, that's a strict, a nasty way to view it. But that's essentially what we don't want. We want people, okay, be courteous of others. Don't risk infecting anyone else. It would be fine if it was just you who were at risk, but it's not. And so we decided to crack down. Well, thank you, you know, on the part of all of us pro-science people. (laughs) Now, the Star Trek convention coming up before that is uh, they're taking it one step further. They they counted on their fingers and figured this convention lasts more than 72 hours. So they've got test sites, testing happening at convention on Friday. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They, yeah, that's not a bad idea. dead serious. How many people are they, though? Oh, yeah, uh, tens of thousands. I mean, they're... Right, the, uh, okay, we're nowhere close center. to that. We're two and a half. Yeah. So we just can't, we can't get that kind of coverage. Well, the city, the city of expense. New York is is uh, doing the same thing you are. Uh, they're, they're now uh, having uh, businesses uh, test people you know, provide proof of vaccination before they can enter certain certain facilities. Well, I, yeah, I, I think I think Los An- City of Los Angeles is going to follow that pretty shortly. Yeah. Well, the county already the county is mandated masks, <laughs> yeah. so that actually made our job easier because the county said you're going to do this, and we'd have no choice. You'd go, yes, sir. Yes, you know, yes, we will. <laughs> well, we need to like design, you know, designer masks branded with our convention or our companies on them, right? Yeah. Let's have a mask game. You may see a few of those at uh, this next show. So we've been joking about various things we can put on the masks. Um, Some good, some bad. So I'll I'll leave it at that. Well, they have like numbers on them and then you draw numbers later on for prizes or something. We should contribute some prizes for that, huh? (laughs) Well, we are actually doing a prize lotto for those who do electronic confirmation. Mm. Uh, for the being vaccinated, the the QR codes, the California issues, and the reason for that is those can't really be forged. They're very well. They they would be difficult to forge. I'm not going to say never, because I kind of know how some of those things work. But it would be very difficult to forge them. And so that way, we're just going to give them uh, some lot, planning on some lottery tickets for the dealer room. Just you know, mild, mild prizes. But it makes it easier. It'll encourage people to come forth with that. And we're going to just toss the data anyway. It's, we just want to verify the code's good, assign it to a badge. We we don't take any personal data. You know, it's thrown out as soon as we verify it. So there yeah. you go. It's nobody's business. but uh... It really isn't. Privacy, and that's part of the balancing act here, 
is the privacy versus the verification. It's tricky. And it anyone who says it isn't is lying. And, and you it know, fans have a tendency, you know, about a quarter of them want to be behind a, a pseudonym anyway. And that's a, that just makes it complicated. Yeah, well, we allow that. I mean, all we want to do is make sure the name gets matched the badge. They can say that this is their badge name. Here's, you know, their real name, et cetera, et cetera. We just, we're going to just check it off. One... We're still working on the procedure. Um, it's not going to be, right now, we don't have it all ironed out, to be honest. But I think we'll have it by then. Uh, we just we, want one go the wizard to have a good immune system. Yeah. <laughs> I love the, uh, I love the t-shirt design. For for GameX. Oh, what's it look like? It's it's a uh, it's an orc playing tabletop games. Mm -hmm. <laughs> we have the gateway shirt designed. We are just deciding on the shirt color right now, and that'll be posted in the next day or two. I mean, it's it's done. We just have to kind of sign off on the shirt color, and then we'll have that up. So yeah, it's it's awesome. <laughs> what a great yeah. bit of what a great bit of illustration. Who's the artist? Well, we let's give um, him we are give him a shout in house out. artist is a man named Kevin Hill, and he has been working with us. I want to say about four or five years. He's been great. Um, I, I'll plug him anytime. Uh, wonderful man, uh, real reasonable to work with, and he hits deadlines. You have no idea how important that is. Oh, yes, we do. And how unusual that can be. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we, we run a radio station. We're kind of all about deadlines. <laughs> everything, everything has to happen by a certain time or we it have dead air. <laughs> yeah. my, uh, first, my very first paying job in career was in journalism. And we had to, obviously, we hit deadlines. And in the software world where I am now, we still have to hit deadlines. But they're a little slipperier. Unless there's a presentation announcing the product, and then you're going to hit that or else. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, with software, it's, uh, you know, uh, mm -hmm. you've got to, you, you have to have it working, and mm -hmm. you have to have it working by a certain time, but if it's, if you present it by the certain time and it's not working, there's no point. Well, so. uh, some, some. And some game companies we could mention, but won't. <laughs> some uh, some of them problems I've, with that would have have repeating problems. With some that. of them I've worked for. <laughs> yeah, and they're not there anymore, are they? That's absolutely true. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So dance with your deadlines, people. That's all I'm saying. Yes, get hit them. So what's the next deadline for this convention? She said, trying to come back to the topic. Oh, okay. Well, the next deadline we have, I'm going to help you it up, I believe is the Friday following this one, so nine days from now, and that's game submissions. We want all games submitted, and I want to say that by, is the, is that, yeah, the 13th, I guess the 13th, Lucky and we're going to turn Friday on the pre-reg system on the 14th, so that's why we want all the games in by the 13th. So Lucky Friday the 13th to turn in those yep. games. It, it, it's fun that way. <laughs> So are these people who are presenting new games at convention or, you know, game masters who are running, you know, specific uh, Yes, tabletops? it's everything. Everything. It's everything that you can play. It's be it a demo, uh, a role-playing section, a board game. In fact, board gaming normally has a little earlier deadline, but this time we realized everyone wanted to see our final policy on COVID before they committed. And I can't blame them, quite frankly. Of course. So... We, we kind of pushed that deadline back for the board gamers. But, it, yeah, Friday the 13th, which seems very appropriate given how <laughs> things have been going. 
what could go wrong, right? So yeah. that's our next deadline. I don't um, know, Freddy, what? <laughs> so do you have uh, speakers at the conventions? And, and We have a couple, but that's not our focus, and it never has been. Uh-huh. You'll occasionally get a game designer or two who want to talk about their latest game, and we set them up. Uh, when we have guests of honor, we give them a seminar or two, uh, whatever you want to say. There's been some really good ones. Um, but there's also been some who don't want to get in front of a crowd at all. All they want to do is play their games and show people how the games work, et cetera, et cetera. So we make it pretty flexible. We've had comedy improv groups in on occasion. Back before it got political, we even had the Rocky Horror Picture Show in for a while. How fun is that? That's yeah, a lot of fun, cool. but uh, we're apparently in a zone where different casts have different jurisdictions. It's it's really kind of funny how it works. Eesh, turf war, huh? Eesh. Yeah, and what's funny is you we could probably put a cast together from the crew that owns the con because a lot of us used to do Rocky back in the 90s. So, in the 80s, and even in my case, the 70s. <laughs> so I can't possibly comment upon this. <laughs> There's only so much I want my mom to hear, even 40 years later. Yeah, I, I know. Yeah, I, I remember. I remember those days in the '70s in in Hollywood and going to uh, going to screenings of that. Yeah, I went in Long Beach. There was strange, the art theater. Strange days. You know what? But then again, you don't have to, you know, go through the hotel and clean up the rice and the toast and the, you know, whatever crap people have left on the floor. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so maybe it's just as well. Yeah, what yeah, would you put for a midnight United show for a gaming con? That in the 70s showed midnight movies for years. It was nice. And then it moved out to a place called the Art Theater later. Mm. Mm-hmm. So do your conventions attract vendors from all over the country or just locally? Mostly local, um, but there's some from all over the country. We have occasionally gotten representatives from, say, Steve Jackson Games. Back in the day, we get, would get Mayfair, but they don't really, obviously, they're not around anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of small manufacturers and bigger game stores, basically. We're not big enough to get the national vendors very often. Um, Orcon being the largest sometimes will, but still, you know, 2,500 people, or you can be hitting, say, uh, Dragon Con at the same time as, what, 15,000, 20,000 on the East Coast. Dragon West Con, Coast, yeah. The West Coast cons are usually quite a bit smaller than the East Coast ones. Yeah, that's certainly true, except for, you know, the, the obvious standouts uh, like WonderCon and San Diego Comic Con. Yeah, but, you know, but, but neither of those is, is gamer-based, and neither really is Dragon Con. I mean, if I'm going to go buy clicky-clacky dice collections, it's going to be at, at uh, Gateway. Yeah, it's for, not, for, not for, for that matter, San Diego Comic Con isn't particularly comics-oriented. It used to be. <laughs> Back when it was at the El, El Cortez Hotel, yeah. Oh, I remember that place. <laughs> What a dump. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's amazing as things get bigger how much they change. Yeah. It, it's it's frightening at times. Well, We're still kind of the same old, same old in you know forty years later. You it's know what? It's good. Lot, That's good. Lot. Success is not spoiled strategic hard. I'm I'm very pleased to hear that. Well, like I said, we're kind of in the nice position where we don't have to make a lot of money on it. We just have to break even. And so it changes your approach. It really does. 
Yeah, it makes for a much friendlier convention. Yeah, this is this is a hometown con. You know, the the mm-hmm. the, the you know beloved home of of the hearts of of gamers all over town here. Yeah, I mean, it's it's we have a few uh, fairly reasonably well-known celebrities, and I'm not going to mention any names because they would kill me. Um, that come out there, and it's kind of their local con. They just come out there to chill. They don't make any fuss or any notes about their appearances. They just show up and they play games, and they love it. And it's it's been kind of nice that way, and it really has. And and nobody makes a fuss about them. They're just there to game. That's awesome. No, I, I have some stories uh, that <laughs> by stumbling, almost stumbling over one of them um, by accident. <laughs> <laughs> had no idea who it was until someone put that's that's so and so and really no it's like that it's smaller than i thought he was but then again i'm a, i'm fairly tall so yeah a lot of actors are smaller than you think they are you know because they shoot them from uh they shoot them from eye level so you think mm-hmm. they're as tall as you are however tall you are yeah. well the star trek next generation people are all smaller than you think they are the deep space nine people are all tall and you don't even know that. Mm-hmm. Oh, really? I okay, I that was. I did not know. Yeah, I knew tall people. Was it the large the, the actor who played Worf? I guess is the largest on Next Generation. Well, that's it. It's, he looks enormous next to you know uh, Captain Picard, but he's only six foot three. I mean, he's he's right. not not a basketball player or anything. No. Yeah, it's, yeah, I'm a little bit taller than he is, but not by much. Yeah. Well, and then yeah. when they got a real basketball player to play a Klingon, and he made. <laughs> made made Worf look like a dwarf. Yes. <laughs> I had... Uh, Who was that, James Worthy? Back, couldn't act for beans, but he didn't have to. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah I knew a, a guy who was in Deep Space Nine mm. uh, as an extra and is on production, and he ended up being an extra a few times because he was on the production side. And he was 6'5", 6'4", 6'5". Yeah, there you so, go. He probably fit in pretty well. So how has gaming changed since you started all of these conventions? Uh, Let me count the ways. 45 years worth of history. Well, I mean, it started in the 70s. It was wargaming. You know, lots of uh, old-style hex and chit war games. Mm -hmm. Uh, Shortly after that, it became role-playing. Dungeons and Dragons happened, and it was big for a while. After that stagnated, we had a brief rush of miniatures, uh, you know, Warhammer, um, we had Vampire, The Eternal Struggle for a while, or Vampire, The, the Masquerade. Vampire, The Masquerade. Well, you saw a lot of that at Dragon Con because yeah. their, their corporate headquarters And, was and then in, in the early 90s, obviously, the, the uh, atomic blast that was Magic the Gathering went off, and that ruled the roost for several years. Uh, but well, you were again, there at Ground Zero. We had, then we had miniatures and designer Euro, you know, Euro board games came back in the mid-90s. Uh, and they, they've ruled for a long time, but role playing's as big as it's ever been. Um, and then you know, collectible cards—they're everything's healthy. Gaming is healthy, but there's no one big thing right now. That's awesome. That's where we're at. So there's—it's a spectrum of of stuff, and and you can find something for you, no matter what you're into. Yeah, largely we we run family games. We run. Uh, you know, the Eurocentric board games, you know, it's something as old as Settlers of Catan, or uh, there, there's a lot of new ones. They, they seem like they put out 30 a month. I've lost track. Um, and then, 
again, in all sorts of role-playing, be it uh, the old Adventurers League or Pathfinder or all the various independent games out there. We uh, play a lot of collectible games, collectible miniatures, collectible cards. It, yeah, pretty much everything right now is viable, which is nice. It's a good position to be in. So your computer games have not extinguished your flame one, one little bit. I'm, no, I find that no, fascinating. Not, a, not at all. Um, I, you know, I, we, a lot of us play computer games, certainly, but uh, it's not the focus of the con. And we have a lot of people who really, you, you play them to fill up time. Um, you, I guess a lot, of, a lot of people are serious computer gamers. Don't get me wrong. Uh, but there's a lot of people who just enjoy the analog aspect of the hobby. It's always been that way. And yet uh, you have things like um, Roll20. Uh, mm-hmm. Roll20.net or Foundry VTT, your virtual tabletop, uh, mm-hmm. that help people play um, tabletop games over great distances. The internet yeah. has been a great enabler of mm-hmm. tabletop gaming, which is, I think, quite a an interesting um, interesting juxtaposition. I think that's been very useful for people who can't get out of the house for whatever reason not mm-hmm. not just pandemic reasons, but uh, disabled. Who mm-hmm. can't literally can't can't leave the house, or people who live in remote areas and can't get a game together from the locals? You know, True. like if you live in the middle of of uh, the you know the Sahara Desert, you can still get a game. <laughs> yes, I mean it was eye opening. We ran four four virtual conventions, and I did not at the beginning of them. I was not aware of all the tools that were out there to run virtual games. Uh, I was vaguely aware of Roll20, for instance. But it's it's amazing what is out there. And yeah, it is a great facilitator, especially for those who can't get to big events like this. So, um, let's see. What what are the ticket prices? <laughs> How much can people expect to pay? Well, at the door, it's basically 60 bucks for the whole show. Um, in advance, it's around, it's between fifty to fifty-five. Uh-huh. Um, depends. Uh, then again, children, and that's eleven on eleven and below. Because basically, the kids who can't be vaccinated right now, um, and then uh, they're ten dollars. You know, and twelve and up is full price because they can play everything. Most of the games these days are recommended ages twelve plus. So, that's where we drew the line. That so sounds valid. So, uh, can can convention goers get hotel rooms and you know, yes. do the whole con thing? The full yes, experience? they can get hotel rooms through the Hilton. Uh, we have a link off of our website that will point them there. Uh, this con, I don't know how full we're going to get, uh, just because of the circumstances are rather unique. Um, let's let's just say that <laughs> this is kind of the brave new world for everyone. This show. So well, we we'd like see. we always like to encourage people to get a hotel room because it does help the conventions uh, yeah. budget to to have the room nights rented and um, mm-hmm. and tip your your housekeepers because it's only fair. I mean, don't be yes. a don't be a jerk. Don't be that guy. Well, and the other advantage is you get to play all night if you want to. If you want, you know, if you got a game going and uh, you don't have to like get up and say, "Oh, I got to drive home two hours now." 
Yeah. Because, wow, that's yeah, no kidding. Some of those guys do drive out that far. I actually drive further than that because I'm actually up in the Bay Area. Oh, so. well, you're not, not commuting to this convention, though. You're getting No, wrong. I'm not commuting to this <laughs> show at all. So, I'm yeah. certainly, uh, once I get there, I stay for five days. So Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining us on this episode of The Event Horizon here on Sci-Fi.Radio. We are so very glad you were able to uh, to come tell us about the convention and, and help us tell other people about it. Mm-hmm. Well, you're welcome. Thank you for having me. You have been listening to episode 222 of Sci-Fi.Radio's weekly production of The Event Horizon for Saturday, August 7th, 2021. Our guest this evening has been Eric M. Aldrich I, the convention showrunner for Strategicon, ORTCON, and Gateway 2021. All three conventions are local Los Angeles gaming conventions, and Gateway 2021 is coming up this September. Visit strategicon.net for more information about them. This episode will air again on August 8th, 2021 at 4 p.m. Pacific, 7 p.m. Eastern tomorrow afternoon, and two more times on the following Thursday and Saturday mornings at 4 a.m. Pacific, 7 a.m. Eastern. Once all of the airtimes have passed, you will find this episode and others on iTunes, Stitcher, and on our own website at sci-fi.radio as podcasts. Sci-fi.radio is listener-supported geek culture science fiction radio. And the vast majority of our funding comes from listeners just like you. We are asking you to visit patreon.com slash sci-fi radio and pledge $5 a month to help keep the station on the air. Give the gift of geek music to your friends by helping support the world's only full-time sci-fi fandom radio station. That's patreon.com slash sci-fi radio. The Event Horizon title sequence was written and produced by Gene Turnbow. The science officer was played by sci-fi illustrator Mark Schurmeister. The engineer was Christian B. McGuire. The navigator was Christine Cherry. And the captain was voiced by science fiction grandmaster Larry Niven. This program is copyright 2021 by Krypton Media Group, Incorporated. The Event Horizon on Sci-Fi.Radio. It's sci-fi for your Wi-Fi.